everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Inside Inside Sales Show. Yes, it's true. I still love saying that. And, I, and the best comment I ever saw posted online was somebody made a point of, of, of trying, I think it was on Twitter, of doing the whole inside, inside sales. And they made sure they capitalized the first word and, and then just, you know, sentence case the rest. And then they stopped and they said, those who know, know. Meaning, when you read that, it's in your, vo- your head. You're sounding just like me. So, uh by all means, I want you just to hear my voice every time you read that online. Uh, welcome back. How's your week been? Are you hitting your numbers? Have you hit your quota? Do you still hate your sales manager? Do you love your sales manager? I just got off a panel not too long ago, and it was a really interesting conversation. I was on a panel with uh, my counterparts from uh, Zant and Drift and Zoom Info. And we were talking about the whole idea around playbooks. And it was really around, uh, it was we got off on this tangent around activity versus outcomes. And it was an interesting one because as we're talking about, you know, how do you do a playbook and how do you know, is it still relevant and what makes it not relevant and what do you need to do to make it relevant and how do you optimize it and blah, 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 as you might imagine. Um, it was a lot of people in the peanut gallery were, which is basically everybody who wasn't on the panel, um, were saying, yeah, but what do you do when you've got management who's just hammering you to hit activity numbers? You have to spam. You have to not personalize. You have to, you don't have time to research. You have to just go. So we got in this whole tangent of research versus, uh, I'm sorry, activity. Are you measured by your activity or are you measured by your outcomes? Outcomes being you got appointments set, you got conversations had, whatever it might be. I'm a big advocate of outcomes, but of course you have to do activity to achieve outcomes. That's the little fine line, that gray area. And what I find works best, and this is where the segue is, because we also got in a conversation around, well, how do you achieve outcomes? And that was the whole idea of automation versus personalization as it relates to playbooks. And automation meaning you just, you know, set it and forget it. And you've just got all these canned email templates or social media touches that go and you don't change a damn thing. But personalization, meaning you actually stop and you actually uh, personalize it. And then that got to a conversation was, well, how much can you personalize it if you're trying to balance activity versus outcomes? And it truly is a balance between it, right? You know, I don't have time to spend 10 minutes to research every single outreach. That's a tough one. And I like to believe that a simple way to personalize it is to actually ask questions that are relevant to your ICP, your ideal customer profile, and your persona, the role, the job title, whatever it might be. So for example, if I am, uh, if I'm doing a playbook that's segmented by my ICP, maybe it's somebody who is insurance and an insurance agency uh, between 10 and 50 agents and they sell uh, life and health insurance, throwing it out there. And then my ICP could be an actual agent. I'm sorry, my personas could be an actual agent or it could be the, the managing director, you know, of the office that manages the whole team. The questions are very different. When I'm talking to the owner of the team, of the agency, it's going to be, are you tired of buying leads and your reps don't follow up on them? Are you tired of your leads not converting? Are you tired of your reps being afraid to pick up the phone uh, or to not use social media? When was the last time your reps updated LinkedIn or use Facebook? All right. 
if I'm talking to the reps, it's going to be, are you just tired of your boss, you know, hammering you? And would you like to actually be a lot more productive so you get them off your case, right? Do you find it hard to manage your time? Do you wish you could do multiple touches, but you struggle with this? What if we can make it easier for you? So in the end, what you're seeing I'm doing there is I'm asking a lot of questions. And the questions are twofold. Part of it is me qualifying. Part of it is you doing a little discovery, right? That's the first part of it. Part of it is those questions are what you're using to actually personalize it. So if I know I'm reaching all these insurance companies in the state of Florida, I can actually put questions in there that are specific to this moment of time. Isn't it crazy what's going on down there in Miami Beach right now? You know, that's that's a comment, and then away I go. All of this comes back to the reason you do what you do, which is you do it to have conversations. And when you hook them, you got to hook them from a relational point of view, and then you got to hook them from a point of view, you got to hook them when you actually get them live. So you hook them to reel into to get them to nibble, and then you reel them in, and you get them live, and you got to carry on that whole conversation, and you got to do with questions. And it brings me back to when I had kids, and, and then my kids are older now. They're in their 20s. But when they were young, man, did they ask so many questions. And I know a lot of you right now have young kids. And you know. You know what the, the thing about kids is? They're the best freaking sales reps ever. Because you know why? Because when they're young, when they're a toddler, what's the one thing they ask you over and over and over again? Why? Don't do that. Why? Don't touch that. It's hot. Why? Uh, get dressed up. We're going to go out. Why? You know, uh, it's cold outside today. You, you need to put your boots on. Why? I mean, the list goes on. It's nonstop freaking why? And you get exhausted. But you know what they're doing? They're learning from you. They're asking those questions to learn from you. You need to channel your inner toddler. That's what you need to do if you want to be successful. If you want to engage, you want to have playbooks, you got to channel your inner toddler. That's my point of view. So I thought to myself, how can I do, how can I bring this conversation to you with an expert? And then I thought, oh my gosh, Scott Kaplan. Scott Kaplan's the guy. Scott Kaplan has trained over 15,000 sales reps. He's trained over 5,000 sales managers. He is all about helping sales teams double and triple their bookings. He does it with sales tips. He does it with professional proven techniques. And most of all, he does it a lot with questions. Scott, welcome to the show, my friend. Boy, thank you, Daryl. It's good to be on the inside. Inside sales. I like it. Those who know. Yeah, I, I think about you often with that with that voice of yours. It, it haunts me at night, and I love it. <laughs> you're far too generous. Now, for those who are multitasking, you're at a computer, you're listening to this, he is on LinkedIn, and it's it's the classic LinkedIn.com slash in slash Scott Kaplan, and that's Kaplan with a K. Yes, sir. So that's the first part. Uh, you should follow him now. Just, you know, just do it. Um, Scott, talk to me about... The power of asking questions. You've trained all these sales reps. You've trained the sales managers. Yeah. What is it you're seeing with the power of questions? Are we doing a good job of it? Are we not doing a good job of it? Are we flubbing it? Like, what, what is it you're seeing? Sure. So a uh, huge passion of mine is talking about questions. And I love how you talk about this idea of how we start to ask all these questions when we're kids. You know, why, why, why? Or what does that mean? Or what, how are you doing that? And all those different types of curiosity style questions. And I think as sellers, we have forgotten that curiosity. And we are so quick to pitch. And oh, we've heard something that we can go out there and solve. 
I must tell you all about it. We forget to take that step back and really make sure we understand what we're trying to solve and help the customer understand what they need to solve. We're experts in what we do. We talk to more of our personas than that persona talks to the like personas. So if we're going out there and talking to a CFO, we talk to CFOs all day, every day. CFOs don't. And so we have to ask a lot of questions to really get into what we can do and how we can help solve them. And so here's a couple of things I think people do fairly well, right? They, uh, sailors, do a pretty good job of understanding the different uh, uh, dynamics of the fundamentals of the business. There's a lot of good questions where people get data in history. And I know you and I have talked about some of the things that I, I threw on LinkedIn, but I have this kind of questioning process, this discovery uh, process to get the facts, right? The facts that you want to go out there and know. And I've even named it that. It's an acronym, F-A-C-T. And that first F, in a letter F of fundamentals of the business, I think sellers do pretty good. What do you do? How do you do it? How often does it take? How long does it take? All those questions that give you data, history, the environment in which you need to understand. I think sellers do a pretty good job. And whether you're selling technology or you're selling services or something else along the lines, sellers do a pretty decent job with it, but they tend to stop there. And they don't go deeper into what they really need to go out there and understand that will get a client to move forward. But the fundamentals to help frame the need, help frame the problem, help frame the situation, I think for the most part, sellers do a pretty good job. So, okay, so you're asking a really valid question. Let me flip it back to you because, you know, those who listen to the inside, inside show show, uh, are a combination mostly of sales development reps and account execs. So SDRs, BDRs, and AEs. Yep. And there's this age old conversation about how many questions do I ask as an SDR or BDR in the qualification stage versus how many questions do I ask as an account executive in the discovery stage? So you mentioned facts. Do you see, uh, facts, sorry, do you see FACT, do you see that as more of an SDR or BDR thing and then uh, and then it's not a sales framework or do you see that something that both roles would use? Uh, definitely both roles, but I love how, I know we've talked about this too, how the, the breakdown of the difference between qualification and discovery. And I like to define qualification as what do I need to know to determine if this is an opportunity that I want to pursue or not? And what are the high level information? And I kind of break that down across three major categories. And so the first one is about the account. What do we need to know about the account? And you mentioned ICP. Are they a, you know, in a industry or vertical that we want to go to or a certain size that we want to be able to go out there and attack or a certain geographic location, number of employees that they have, or those types of information. A lot of that you might be able to find out online or through different research tools and have that capabilities. But you want to make sure you understand they're the right type of company to go after. And the second thing is the contact. And when you qualify, you want to make sure you understand who that contact is. Yes, their name, their title, their role. A lot of people laugh at me for those things. Of course, Scott, we're going to know those things. Well, let me just remind you, we used to go to this thing called trade shows and some great looking guy with white hair and a black blazer would walk up to me, but I don't know his name is Dale. <laughs> I don't know where he works. I don't know what his role is. And so I like to make sure that we always understand what we need to go out there and do. And if you can research it, great. But you also need to understand more about that contact besides just their name, title, and the role. What's their involvement in the decision-making process or the investment process or the research process, 
and understand who else is involved within their team, cross-functional teams. So you want to understand the degrees of the, of the contacts. And then the third piece for qualification is the need. Now, this is where you're going to start getting into more of that fact-based items, but you need to understand why did they pick up the, the phone when you call them? Why did they reach out to your website and request information? What is it they're looking to solve? Is there a compelling event? Is there something on their plate that they need to solve in the next 30, 60, 90 days? You need to understand the difference of what, why they are intrigued to talk to you and learn more. And that's what we need to do from a qualification. So SDR is out there, BDR is out there, anyone doing cold calling and prospecting, those are things you definitely want to go out there and think about. But then as you really get involved into your discovery calls, that first real initial touch point, and if you're selling technology, you might do kind of a you know teaser demo, I like to call it, where you show a little bit of the sizzle, but you got to use that sizzle to really get in depth. And discovery questions, and that's why I created FACT, is to really help go deeper into that discovery process. And so I know we talked about like, you know, the fundamentals, but the A being the ability to move forward, the C being their commitment to be able to go out there and move forward, right? Their commitment to change, their commitment to do something different. And then the T is just their timing and prioritization. How important is it to them or other cross-functional peers that have to approve it or do something with it to install it, implement it, adopt it, et cetera? I'll give a kind of a, a little story. You mentioned earlier in your, uh, you know, opening monologue about how you're on a um, panel today talking about customer outcomes. And I love that idea. Or you talk about actually internal outcomes. And I want to talk about how do we talk about customer outcomes. And that whole idea of commitment to change is about understanding the impact that what we can do has on their business. So imagine asking questions, you know, Daryl, with, with your current sales team, you know, at VanillaSoft, what's impacting you from being able to not just reach the clients that you want, but be able to engage them in a way to get them to listen to you versus your competitors? That's an impact style question that will get you to talk deeper. Talk about the outcomes you're trying to go out there and do. What's hindering your team? What's limiting your team? If I've shown you some value out of what I can do, I might change that question around and say, how would you be able to use that in an environment that would help make your team more successful. You'd be able to gain more, attain more, benefit more. So you can use two sides of the equation. You can make it kind of on that negative pain side of things using words like impact, hinder, limit, effect, or it can do it on the positive side. What can you gain, achieve, benefit, grow? All those different ways to look at what is that customer gonna to commit to to get the outcomes that they want. All right. My mind is racing, which is why I'm pausing. I'm writing down a thousand notes because you're saying a whole bunch of like hot button tickets for me. It's almost like, where do I start? Um, we've talked a little bit about the role of SDRs, BDRs, NAEs, but there's also many industries where that doesn't exist. That's just full sure. cycle sales reps, right? So I get it for the full cycle sales rep. They're going to qualify and discover, and it's just going to kind of flow from one to the next. But for the organizations where they do have that split between teams, I would love to ask sure. you this question, which is a little bit more of a management conversation, but I think my audience would really benefit from understanding where their managers are coming from. So okay. when you're training managers, the age old dilemma, at least I always found this, how well do they understand that there's a qualification stage and that there's a discovery stage. And it's not just 
a dropdown you pick on a sales opportunity in salesforce.com. There's an actual different approach and conversation that takes place and an expectation around what the outcome is to, to achieve at that moment in time before you progress to the next step stage in the sales cycle. Because what I see is most sales leaders confuse the two and they don't, they'll talk about qualification and discovery, but when you ask them, how do the questions differ? How do you engage? How does that differ? They don't have an ability generally to clearly articulate that. And if they don't understand it, how the hell can you expect your SDRDEs to understand it? And if that's the case, then I've got confusion. Am I overqualifying as an SDR or am I underqualifying as an SDR? And then am I meeting my AE's expectations of that, you know, that, that work I'm supposed to do for them or am I not meeting their expectations? Yeah. So I know it's a broad question, but I would love your take on that. Sure, I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I see it all the time and not just the frontline sales manager level, but I would say all the way yeah. up the chain of what you go out there and try to do. And it doesn't just stop there. I'll even take it to, to degrees farther. Whoever touches the customer even post-sale, right? So if you have an implementation team or adoption team, a support team, a customer service team, an account management team, whatever the case may be, everyone's involved to one, retain, and two, try to grow that customer with add-ons and expansion, right? And all of those types of questions and what you want to go out there and do are critically important. And we often forget. I was just talking to a professional services leader for one of my clients. And I was talking with him about it. And I asked him, how good are your team at being sellers? And he smiled at me and kind of nodded. He's like, we're not, right? And when we're trying to go out there, they have great relationships and great rapport. And they understand not just the needs of that business, but I have other professional sellers teams that understand the global aspects and the amount of information that they can provide is endless. And they don't know to ask questions. They don't know how to take even the information that they have to get it back to the sales team or the account management team to grow the account, to retain the account. And it's a huge miss that I see across every aspect. There are few that I think get it when I first start talking with them. And I start talking about sales playbooks or sales process or how do they really not just focus on net new, but land and expand type of capabilities. They miss that like, you know, <laughs> Very often, like you said. And so I've done a lot of work with people to understand the difference between the types of questions. So you know what you want to go out there and ask. I think you mentioned earlier, we can ask questions and questions and questions and go on and on and on. But you have to be real sharp and precise and strategic with what you want to go out there and ask. There's a time and a place you want to go out there and, and really drive those types of questions. And it doesn't have to be overly complicated. But if you don't prepare the questions in advance that you want to go out there and ask... Shame on you. You should. Now, some people have it in a sales playbook or a qualification checklist. They know they want to go out there and ask. And then what they're good at is doing other things that you said earlier. Target it to that persona. Make it relevant to that person or that industry or that geographic location or, or, or. But the idea of being able to know how to leverage that is critical and so often missed. So there's a number of bad habits I see my team do. I see others in the industry do that undermine their ability to ask those questions and, and get the information to move it forward, as you're talking about with fact, um, and in no particular order. Uh, one of the things I see is we want to rush right into our pitch as opposed to ask and ask 
and ask. All right. So we just want to we just want to talk. Uh, that's the first part. Uh, number two is uh, before before even that you mentioned it. We don't plan our call. What for this individual we're about to talk to in their industry with their role, their title, uh, based on as you said the, their their vertical, their location, their size, all these factors and attributes you were describing earlier. What are the right questions and outcomes and issues that we should be poking at before we even have the call? Um, the next thing I see is a lack of patience. I really don't. I'm going to ask you why because I've been taught to ask you why, but I, I really don't want to get to the why because I measured on activity and appointment set. And as soon as you you fit, like for example, oh, you have a need. There's something you want to achieve. Let me book you for my AE so I can get rid of you. Because I I got a, a number to hit. Meanwhile, this person's opening up with you. Um, that's a problem. So lack of patience. Um, and the last thing I see it over and over again, as, as you alluded to already, and this is a big one, is making it relevant. So I get reps calling me all the time talking about because they go into the pitch. This is what we do. And the problem with going into the pitch right away, as opposed to talking to me, is I have no idea how it's relevant. To me, but if you would have talked about and asked, yep. asked me some questions to say if I have some certain pain points and have me admit to you, I have this pain. I'm trying to achieve this outcome. I'm being, you know, blocked by these roadblocks, and I need a solution. Then I've got, you know, relevance when you say, well, okay, based on that, you know, if I had a solution that could help you overcome that by doing this. Would you want to learn more about it? And by the way, your competition's already using it, and I can tell you, I can tell you exactly how they're using it. Okay, I've got relevance yeah. both in a pain and relevance in a competitive situation. You got my attention. So the, I see it over and over again: uh, lack of planning the call, lack of uh, having patience. They would just want to talk. They don't want to listen. Uh, they want to go right to the pitch, and they want to qualify you, for, right away, qualify you right away. And they don't want to make it relevant to you because that's too much work. At that point in time. All of your questions that you've been programmed to do, that guys like you have come in and said, you got to ask these questions, just go out the door. Out the door. Out the door completely. Yeah. And it's funny you talk about the, the patience uh, aspect. I've always called it kind of a happy ears. Yeah. Right. That, that we have as sales. Oh, you mentioned something. Yeah, I can go out there and do it. And so oftentimes when I talk with different sellers, and it's funny because I'll bring it up as the idea of it's actually, you mentioned the word roadblock, but I'll call it an objection just for common, common terms here. They'll say, oh, does your product do X, Y, and Z? And if it does, right? Oh my gosh, we're so happy. Yes, Daryl, let me tell you all the ways it yes. does it. I can't wait to tell you all this. But what we need to do to leverage that patience, right? To not have those happy ears. You know, Daryl, we do, but I don't want to make an assumption that I know how to work for your environment. Can you tell me a little bit more? What What is it you're you're not able to achieve today that you really want to? So I can make sure I answer your question specifically. People don't take that step that step back. And if you look at the casualness of the converse, that question, look at what I did, that you're not able to achieve today will speak to your pain. Well, how important is that to you? That speaks to the prioritization. Is it important to others? You can get so much more in depth. And imagine a customer gives you an objection, like you mentioned those questions earlier, like the whys or how we do that. And for customers, I don't think we necessarily you know, need your type of solution. That's interesting because I talk with you know, a lot of people in your industry, a lot of you know, your types of roles. I'm just kind of curious to you know, how are you guys going out there and solving that today? I mean, with regards to, and then you can enter a couple specifics if you want to throw some value points. 
with regards to you know getting your team up to speed, being sure that you can have great onboarding and then great ramp to your to your uh, sellers. Daryl, how are you achieving that today to make sure you're not missing something? You can still leverage these questions to overcome objections. And so what we want to do is really get in depth and it's so common that we do all of those types of you know items that you mentioned where we don't prepare or we don't necessarily know what exactly we want to go out there and ask or how to make it relevant to the customer. And there's just some great opportunities. And I totally agree. Kids are fantastic sellers. Um, I got some that are in college and go from there, but I got five kids in a blended family from uh, age 15 to 22. And I loved watching them as they were younger get really, really good. I know which some of my kids will be great sellers just by how they engage with different types of questions. How do you do that? What, is it, what does it mean? And when they start to engage, they get people to talk. And the questions always go more in depth or the, and the conversation always goes more in depth. I don't care if it's a business conversation, a personal conversation, but anytime you go out there and you ask those types of questions, you get more information that you can continually use and leverage to help that person be more successful. And I believe in 100% ethical sales and making sure that the value I provide, if I'm not a good fit for you, Daryl, great, let's, let's, you know, let's remain friends. You know, maybe I can help you with other contacts or other people go on your merry way. But if I can help, I wanna make sure I know the, the layers of which I can go out there and help. And here's, a, here's another uh, trick that I'll give all, all the sellers out there. Imagine you finish that conversation and you're gonna send a follow-up to that customer. You're gonna say, thanks for talking about this. I understand that we're you know, helping you with regards to, how would you finish that sentence? Do you know what you wanna go out there and, and that'll help you ask the questions, but it also will help you make sure I don't finish my conversation until I know those things. In every discovery call that I have, I have a note section where I look at impact as how I label it for my own kind of you know cheat sheet in my notes. And I also look at prioritization, timing and prioritization. It's my fact process. I obviously have questions on you know the fundamentals of what I'll go out there and do, but then I start going into that. I know I'm gonna ask about their decision-making process and what's involved next. They say, hey, Scott, send me some pricing. I can definitely go out there and do that for you, Daryl. Then what's next? Help me understand, what do you guys do with it from there? I don't get the happy years of, Oh, Daryl wants pricing. Sure. Okay, great, Daryl. So I can go out there and get you pricing. Then what comes next? What are you going to do with it? So I understand you got to what's important to you, how you leverage others, so I can make sure I get you the right information. Just go deeper in those conversations. Mark Hunter has an expression of you ask why three times. Most of us stop after the first why, right? So um, I love the example you were giving. In my case, I imagine someone to call me, they would say, you know, what's your biggest problem? Well, my biggest problem is my reps aren't making enough outbound, you know, dials and, you know, outreaches. Great. Uh, you're going to love our product. Our product does this and this and this and this, <laughs> and it's all about making more outreach. Okay. You, you'll have your time, patience, your kids, to have that conversation. That was only the first, you know, we haven't even, you said, what's your problem? We haven't got to the, the first why. You know, they're not making enough outreaches. Yeah. Why? Okay, I'm patient. Get, well, because they don't know how to prioritize themselves. Well, why don't they know how to prioritize themselves? Well, because they're, you know, I guess we don't have a repeatable process that we rolled that out. Well, why is that? Well, we really suck at sales enablement. You know, we just don't, we're winging it. We've had turnover. Oh, so maybe the, the issue isn't uh, they're not making enough dials. Maybe the issue is you don't have the infrastructure to actually have a repeatable process. You see how it changes all of a sudden? That's why you do the three whys. Yep. 
that's just one example. Too many of you rush to that. What I like about today's conversation, folks, Scott and I didn't talk, and Scott's the expert here. But you know, we didn't actually tell you what questions to ask. What we talked to you was, you got to be asking questions. You need a framework around the questions you're going to ask. Because if you do that, it's, as he said, the whole point here is to, you know, move this deal forward to the next step. So to do that, you need to understand what's kicking you in the ass. You need to understand what your process is. You need to understand what your role and responsibility is. Maybe you're the SDR or the BDR versus your counterpart's role and responsibility because you're actually a team, all right? You need to understand the big picture. Just like your prospect needs relevance and context, so do you. And now all of a sudden, when they come back to you and say, we want you to follow this sales framework, we want you to do these things, you will understand why, and then you will adopt it. But for the love of God, don't make these obvious mistakes that you were all making over and over again. So without judgment, truly without judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my good friend, Scott Kaplan. He's on LinkedIn. You can check him out at quickhitsalestips.com. He's prolific in his content. Scott, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, everyone. Make it a great day. Good selling. And with that, we're done. Another episode in the books of the Inside Inside Sales Show. Take care, folks. We'll see you next week.